I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, I'm joined with my good friend, Rudina Ciceri, who is the managing partner of Glasswing Ventures. Rudina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you. So I'd love to start with talking a little bit about your journey that uh, your career has taken, moving from investment banking to corporate development at Microsoft, and then ultimately into the world of venture capital with Fairhaven and now with Glasswing Ventures. What led you down to the path of where you are today? Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey. And as careers go, I can't tell you that this was the path I had laid out for myself, but it has been a wonderful and rewarding path. And if you look at it, the common theme across my various roles, honestly, starting from the day I graduated Wellesley and worked on Wall Street, is technology. I joined the technology group at Credit Suisse at the time as a young college graduate. And while finance and investment banking was, uh, you know, all great, the passion that truly emerged was around tech and the transformative impact that technology was having. So after business school, um, I joined Microsoft, focused on their acquisitions and some investments, and then from there um, moved on to the venture world. So with every step I've taken, I've gotten closer and closer to sort of fulfilling what I, what has turned out to be a deep desire around driving transformation through innovation and and technology. So that's really the the reason behind the path as, as it has taken shape. Perfect. And we first met because of your involvement in SaaS marketing technology, some great startups like CrowdTwist and SocialFlow and Seltra. Those investments gave you a front row seat in how the marketing industry is changing. What did these entrepreneurs and you as an investor see in terms of the future of things like loyalty marketing and advertising creative and social publishing? Yeah, I mean, um, we're, I'm going to now date myself a bit, but a number of these investments are now six, seven, eight years old. So we're truly looking sort of in the 2010 timeframe. And what was fundamental about that period and the investments that I made was the fact that digital was changing everything. And brands at the highest level, particularly consumer-facing brands, had a new opportunity that had been previously unfathomable in that they could get direct access to their consumers. I mean, you know, let's let's look back a bit. Could any given brand that didn't have a direct retail um, store that they owned ever have disturbed their, you know, chain and their relationships with retailers to try to get access to the consumers? Absolutely not. Yet with the advent of digital, an entirely new marketing opportunity and a new opportunity to establish direct relationships with consumers were created. The result of it has been multifaceted. multifaceted. In today's world, we really think of it as cloud marketing, and that's all-encompassing of anything from the distribution where programmatic has taken over, i.e. powered by data, to loyalty as another mechanism for honestly getting a 360 view of, of a consumer, not just 
you know, on digital, I'm including mobile, whether it's app or mobile, web, desktop, physical, in a brick and mortar. The loyalty is one of the mechanisms and one of the more differentiated mechanisms to get a full 360 view. And you mentioned CrowdTwist, a portfolio company that focuses in that area. But all the way from that to the delivery has been worked out to how do you intelligently um, deliver the creative, the last bit in this world of what can you automate and drive by data. So I would say that whole learning experience has been very interesting and it has evolved and changed initially just the access to consumers, now a lot more leveraging intelligence and machine learning to deliver what I and Glasswing, we, we've coined this term around personalization, hyper-personalization at scale. I, you build it once, but you make it highly personable to any given consumer. And again, we're seeing that even more around new plays. I have a company called Xylotech in the CDP customer data platform market. So a whole new category, a fairly noisy category with large budgets, but big opportunities for transformation of how brands and consumers interact with each other. So, you know, speaking of that, you mentioned uh, Glasswing in that answer. And last year, you announced the launch of Glasswing as the managing partner for the fund. With Glasswing, you're focused on early stage AI and complementary frontier technology startups that are, as you say, enabling the rise of the intelligent enterprise. What led you to that focus of this area area for your debut fund? So the um, the fund, and then we formed the firm in 2015, and I point that out because while today speaking about AI, it's almost a an overused term in certain regards. In 2015, I'm quite proud of the fact that we were visionary in what was happening around the rise of both deep learning as I would say the impetus for the current wave and the current paradigm of narrow AI adoption and intelligence adoption, as well as the amount and the diversity of data that was being created given pervasive connectivity. So the, the processing power, the large amounts of data and the large, you know, the veracity and the diversity of data and thirdly, the breakthroughs you know, in machine learning, particularly around deep learning, those three driving forces created a trifecta that, in our view, was going to enable a new wave of disruption around AI. And with that impetus and with that sort of thematic view, we believe that it would be a transformative opportunity across the enterprise platforms and cybersecurity markets. And that was the genesis of why we formed Glasswing and and launched the firm. And as I look back, you know, 18, 24 months now, the of the fund of the fund being deployed, the potential we've only scratched the surface. While the term may be overused, the reality is that we've just gone from an era of data analytics to predictives, which is why, you know, there's a lot of discussion around predictives. And yet at Glasswing, we truly believe that the real opportunity around the intelligent enterprise is not just to predict what's going to happen. We talked a bit about marketing, but we have investments around 
data infrastructure and you know DevOps and other areas of the enterprise. It's not just about being able to tell in advance what's going to happen in an intelligent manner. We think about predictive. So I, in many ways, I think we're still visionary in how we view the market shaping up in that. And by prescriptive, I mean data informing us of what should happen to achieve optimal outcomes that we are seeking. So there is a lot of opportunity around that. But to come back to your question, there was the genesis of Blastwing, and even more fundamentally, the idea, again, going back to your first question of driving transformation and being part of shaping a wave around not just AI as a driving force, but responsible AI. And Glasswing's roots, even the name is, is a butterfly. So the idea of transformation within that butterfly, much like startups become large companies. And perhaps lastly, as I joke quite often, I caught the entrepreneurial bug and I and my partner, Rick Grinnell, were ready to um, take on our own entrepreneurial journey in that regard. At Predicting the Turn, we talk a lot about growth challenges facing business leaders today. And as we talk about growth, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Chinatown Bureau. Chinatown Bureau is a consumer experience firm solely focused on driving brand growth. They move brands beyond advertising towards a new brand growth playbook. They do this by building the strategies and technology tools that make each customer relationship as valuable as possible streamlining operations, and creating new revenue opportunities. Their clients are Fortune 500s and high-growth startups alike, and their engagements range from strategy development through full implementation of a new consumer experience. If you're experiencing slow brand growth and looking for a better solution beyond just advertising, visit ChinatownBureau.com to schedule a call today. Yeah. So speaking of that entrepreneurial journey, this has been you launching your own business, you know, everything that goes into it. What lessons have you learned in that journey of launching your own company alongside doing investing? So I would say um, it's probably been the hardest undertaking and the most fulfilling undertaking I've ever done. I've never worked harder and I've never been happier. And that's because I think both in that kind of like a baby, you're shaping it and you're giving it life, but also the ability to shape culture and, and, the, and the heavy burden at the same time to shape culture, to shape processes, to think about what will Glasswing stand for? What should our team look like? And more core to our business, how do we add value for, for our founders or prospective founders? It's not just about, oh, we know the space, it's intelligent capital, no pun intended. It's about really being, especially for early stage, hand-in-hand with, with your founders. Yes, we take board seats. Yes, we're driving terms. But this is not an exercise in who's high and mighty on the board of directors. This is an exercise of being an extension to the team and helping them, whether it is adding new team members as the management team and beyond gets built out, whether it is helping them land their first customers, whether it is focusing on pricing, you know, go to market, whatever help that might need. So as I think about our journey, though, the core is perhaps, at the, you know, and most importantly, we relate to our founders at the most direct level. We know what it takes to get a company built from the ground up. We know what it takes to fundraise. 
we don't have a software or another solution to show. We had our track record, our successful track record, but nonetheless, to use and to go and raise institutional capital as we did. So we know the the hunger, the drive and the unwavering commitment that's required to be a founder. And I think that makes us better investors. Yeah, without doubt. I love that. So, you know, taking a slightly different tact, with your time at Microsoft and your former venture fund, you were really helping corporations and their efforts around startup engagement. Why do you think it's important for large companies to be involved in the startup ecosystem, whether it is as an investor, acquirer, or a partner? Well, a couple of answers to that question. At the highest level, because any business, no matter what vertical or market it's operating in, is a tech-enabled business in this day and age. And the expectations of customers, whether they're you know enterprise customers or consumers, are increasing. The responsiveness or time to responsiveness is getting shorter and shorter, at least from a customer's point of view. And the demands of the three constituents, so customers, employees, and perhaps regulators as an external force, are also changing. Regulators are often lagging, but the employees are expecting just-in-time feedback, and especially with the rise of the millennials is a major force in, in the labor markets. They're expecting certain feedbacks. They're expecting tech-savvy engagement, customers as well, and their regulators are having to respond, especially when it comes to data, privacy, and other matters of importance. So with that changing, today's large incumbent may be tomorrow's fallen empire. It is not a coincidence that every large fortune 100, 500, wherever one wants to cut the data, has some major digital transformation effort underway. And it's interesting because in my view, you ask 10 companies, 10 enterprises, what they mean by digital transformation, and you will get 10 different questions, no, 10 different answers rather. What's common though, is the fact that they recognize the need to change where technology, data, and more recently, machine learning and AI, at times as a buzzword, to be perfectly honest, are driving, you know, are, are driving forces and critical components of the transformation. So to come back to your question, if that is happening, one way to do so and both remain relevant, but also help transform oneself as a large enterprise is through the startup ecosystem and varying degrees of engagement in that ecosystem, whatever form they may take as you outlined a couple of options. From my perspective as a VC, I think about it both in terms of helping large enterprises acquire cutting-edge software, but also in my day role, enabling my companies to land their first customers those first critical logos. So I view it both as a contribution to the broader ecosystem and also as an opportunity to help and add value to our founders and portfolio companies. And so speaking of engagement, you know, you've really stayed actively involved in both of your alma maters with Wellesley and with Harvard Business School. And with HBS in particular, you served for the last five years as an entrepreneur in residence and have been involved with Rock VC. 
Why have you found it important to prioritize this involvement with the educational community? I think both because a lot of what's happening in in the space that we invest in comes out of academia. Think about, you know, machine learning and deep learning and in general, this whole field of computing and AI, you'd be hard pressed to find many individuals over the age of, I don't know, 45 that have training. In fact, if anything, overall in the U.S., there is shortage of of this capability and of the necessary training on on what's happening around data sciences. And albeit, I think it's a short-term challenge because a lot of the higher ed institutions are investing in, in the category. But if you are going to find the talent, oftentimes talent is coming out of the institution. So for one very practical reason, I'll be doing myself and the ecosystem a disservice not to you know, have a ear to the ground. Secondly, because I think out of HBS and actually for the broader university, much like my partners do at other schools, um, MIT and elsewhere, there's lots of new and entrepreneurial ideas coming out and then businesses being formed. So while we, we both want to add value and be helpful mentors, as well as have an opportunity to learn about these upcoming ideas. And lastly, um, and you know, this pertains to both HBS, but with a, perhaps I have a bit of a softer spot for Wellesley, it's important to me personally to give to back to both schools, but for Wellesley in particular around the women focus and changing the dynamics around women in tech and women in venture capital. This need is, in my view, even more pressing when you think about AI and machine learning and how the neural nets and the algorithms are being built and wired. And as a woman and as a mother of a daughter, I do worry about AI being ethical, being fair, and not belonging to a given gender because that gender coded and built the algorithms. So I think anything I can do to help drive change in the ecosystem, I think it's important. And it's important not purely on a normative basis, i.e. what's right or wrong. It's important because it's good business. We are in the world of startups and the world of innovation. And the more creativity and the more diversity of thinking we have, the better the outcomes. And right now, the percentages of women involvement and other minority involvements, for that matter, in our space leaves much to be desired. Yep. No, those are great points. I love that combination of it's it's good business to really think about how do you tie it in and help make sure the change is being changed in the right way versus not thinking it through all the ways there. Absolutely. So, no, I, go ahead. You know, no. So one of the uh, things I'd love to touch upon is, you know, you're, you're spending your time on frontier technology and that by nature is putting you on the very bleeding edge of what's taking place in a lot of different spaces and industries. What are you doing to, you know, think about your own personal development to stay ahead of these technology trends and these industry trends? Because you're looking at companies that it's very much at the early stages. So how do you keep yourself being on top of those things as you evaluate investments? I will start by saying it's an existential challenge that I'm constantly working on. It comes in many, many forms. It comes in what do I read? What moods am I taking online? (laughs) 
who I surround myself with. At the highest level, as you shared, you know, at Glasswing, we invest in B2B companies that leverage machine learning and AI. And, you know, my part, one of my partners, Rick Grinnell, specializes in cybersecurity. I have another partner who's more on the digital side of things. I specialize in enterprise. So one area of focus that's perpetually there, if you will, is the enterprise focus. So, you know, for the last 15 years, that driving forces and the market dynamics in the various areas of enterprise have become second nature. The question often is then, then, okay, what technology is going to drive the next wave of disruption and and how will the markets respond and which verticals, if it's a vertical play or which platforms will win. And there, I think it's both, like I said, um, constantly reading, but also surrounding myself externally with advisors who are either in academia or in industry at the cutting edge. For every area that I know, there is someone out there that can go a lot more deeply. So my goal is one, to have access to those people, and two, to educate myself as much as I can, such that I can in turn add value to my own portfolio companies. And related to that. If I make it related to that, and you know this from your personal experience, but we have actually, what I just shared with you, formalized that view. And we have 33 advisors out of academia and industry and the startup ecosystem who work with Glasswing exclusively, in part to address that very need. And I, I, I mentioned the fact that it's exclusive because these individuals are not just big names on a website and you check the box. These are individuals who commit a certain amount of time and truly play a fundamental role in adding value to our overall portfolio and fund, including the facet that we just covered. Without doubt. And you, know, you mentioned that you've, you've got those industry leaders involved. What do you think industry leaders need to do to reapply the principle and the mindset that you have to keep themselves on kind of that forefront of where change is going, given that industry change is happening kind of at an unprecedented pace these days? I mean, I think at the highest level, a willingness to disrupt themselves, because if they don't, someone else will, another company will. And that may come in the form of reinventing one business, taking risks that may even impact, negatively impact existing revenue streams and cash flows, which is a very hard thing to do. How do you transform if you have Wall Street expectations and broader market shareholder expectations, yet you know for a fact that if you don't do something about the present day challenges five to 10 years from now, you may cease to exist. So balancing those and having that sense of urgency, I think it's fundamentally important. And, and, then, and then getting to the how. First, grappling perhaps, but then you know, internalizing the what, what needs to happen, and then focusing on the how. And if the time frame for something, some facet of transformation is X, knowing that someone else, somewhere else, is doing it in half the time. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Rudina. It's always a amazing conversation that has my, my wheels spinning at the end of it. So thank you for taking the time and telling the story of Glasswing. 
My pleasure, and thank you for having me. And I, I so enjoy working together. So um, this has just been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. And if somebody wants to find out about Glasswing, what's the best way to learn more? Glasswing.vc for venture Perfect. capital. Perfect. Well, thank you again, and uh, look forward to talking again real soon. As do I. Thank you.